You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 127. Today is Thursday, February 8th. We are about six weeks away from opening day. Very exciting. Steve, uh, just a great time all around. PitchCon is in the books. Nick Pollock's pitcher list rankings, or the SP rankings, came out today. The list, I should say, which is always kind of Christmas come late, where you you rush out there and see where he's got everybody. So that's uh, excitement. And then we've got our listener league underway. But we're not talking about any of that stuff specifically. Well, I'm sure we'll be mixing and matching. We're talking about the first round, Steve, because we're ahead of draft season and we we never really get a chance to talk about the very best of fantasy baseball. So these shows are, are some of the best so that we can actually talk about your Otani, Kyle Tucker's, Ronald Acuna's, all these guys. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, first round picks, kind of dive deep into who we want, uh, split hairs a little bit on, on kind of Kentucky Derby style with what's our favorite area, who do we like paired with who. Uh, very exciting uh, topic because, again, we never get to talk about these guys. So great to be back on, Steve. Uh, no, we're kind of all over the place, but I think this is just what February feels like where we start getting jittery and excited. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. Um, now that we have a draft in the books, we did our, our draft and hold that we finished up and are in the middle of that listener league draft, Adam Howe. Um, our podcast manager here at Pitcher List runs a bunch of listener leagues for On the Wire that I've been in the last two years. Um, little humble brag, I did win my league the first year, and I think there I came go. in third or fourth overall. Um, it was like around, I think, 80 or 90 teams the first year he did it. Um, and then last year I didn't do as well, but it expanded, and he was kind enough to let waff take over one of those listener leagues that filled probably what about a, a week and a half ago now and we're in the, the latter stages of the draft now um so shout out to adam for letting us do that and yes i know we, we talked about getting a listener league together or joining a league sort of uh, uh on the fly uh with a bunch of listeners and i know a lot of those guys jumped in so it's Shout fun, out to dude. everyone who, the, who has the, it's yeah one it's one of the it's, liveliest it's direct message yeah. uh groups and I, I think right now my my like four of my home league buddies are all sharing one team, which you know, Steve. But I'm telling the listeners. Uh, so you've been calling them the Goon Squad, and I believe they're actually on the clock right now. So yeah, Tom, if it's if it's not picked, then chop chop. Yeah, uh, there was a few. You know, there's a few NFBC mainstays. Uh, you know, I think uh, Sawa has won the. Like NFBC fifties, I think overall. Um, uh-huh. Apologies, I'm wrong, but a few like you know, there's some heavy hitters there, and they did some double takes when they're like, "How many co-managers are in this league are on, <laughs> on this team?" But I, I know it was. Uh, it, it, it's great that you know your buddies from your home league that are big fans of the show got to share a team, and and you know, sure, uh, they're they're currently in last uh, as far as pick time goes. Um, and they're sitting on a, you know two hours now waiting on this one. But hey, uh, you know I, I've shared my thoughts on 
clock shaming like you know there's four hours for a reason so it's no big deal uh uh-huh, but uh-huh. it it is fun in the banter and the, they're a great group of guys uh well, and everyone yeah. in the league it's it's fun that we're able to do this so we'll do them next year and if you yeah. guys uh, even if you missed out if you're remotely interested shoot us a dm and and we'll kind of get you locked and loaded for next year's um, and i think adam's still running a bunch of on the wire listener leagues and this will be part of that overall ours is just True. one subset of Adams leagues that he's running. I think there's been at least, you know, uh, maybe uh, close to a dozen or so already. Um, uh, At least a handful have have filled. Um, So it's a lot of fun. I know he does 10, uh, 15 teams. Uh, Originally it was just 12 teams. I think he opened up the 15 teams this year. We just did a 12 team. Uh, But yeah, uh, definitely keep an eye on the, on the wire Twitter. Um, and Adam House eighty at eighty grade uh, Twitter handle for for any of those leagues if you want to do it it's it's um you know even when I did it just with with the on the wire listeners it was it was a great league and um, very active and on uh, you know it's a, it's a great little community that the Pitcher List uh, Podcast Network has built up so glad we get to actually compete in a league with them and and against you i think this is the first time that we're competing directly against each other in the same league uh, it might be it might, might be. be. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I was thinking the same thing uh, when, when we were because we've done the mock drafts together, mm-hmm. but actually managing. So that'll be and we've, something we've, to talk about. We've split best balls before. We split like a cut line before last DC year. Fifties. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, it'll something be different fun to actually yeah. do a league with with all these guys. Yeah. Well, talk to me about this topic, Steve. I mean, you know, on, on one hand, the first round at this point in the the year for for most people who are plugged in can feel kind of chalky, like you know who the guys are. But I think it's probably become, uh, I don't want to say lazy, but it's become easy to just say you can't go wrong in the first round. Like you're not going to screw up your first pick, but there's still a pretty big difference between a lot of these guys. And some of them are clustered really closely together where you're going to have to decide between, you know, for instance, uh, Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt Jr., uh, you know, there's a there's a handful of these ones. I think when I ran the the ADP from January 1st till now, uh, another it gives you the decimals right, so it doesn't just say their their ADP is nine. It's like nine point five six. There were two guys who had the same decimal to the hundredth. So like, crazy. These are coin flips this year, and I think that's kind of unique uh, outside of the first overall pick. But just talk to me about kind of this topic and what you think listeners can get out of this. I think it's an overlooked topic. I think we did a show on this last year, maybe the year before. Um, but the first round is very intriguing. Um, I think it's overlooked because, you know, it's the first rounders. It's your fantasy studs. You really can't go wrong. There's the player pool and the talent pool at the top, especially seems deeper than ever. But I think that leaves for more options. Like we, when we were putting this rundown together, how many players um, were taken with a min pick of two. I think there was like nine players that were yeah, taken. Great point. At two, um, yeah. At, at one, there's a, as clear cut of one as there have been basically since I think like prime Mike Trout. Um, it's Acuna. That's that's really it. That's that's what you you know you set it and forget it if you get the first round pick or first overall pick. Um, but there's an argument to be made for like. A, a, a crazy amount of players relative to other years that could go number two. Um, you can go a lot of different ways, especially in, you know, head to head or non NFPC or non Roto 
15-team deeper leagues, um, I think you have a lot more options um, in sort of the more common head-to-head daily move um, 12-team leagues too, especially. So it makes it really interesting, and I just think it's an overlooked topic because people don't really need any analysis to know that, you know, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, Corbin Carroll are, are good, but they are big decisions at the top of your draft board. Um, so yeah. it, it's a it's a good thing to dive into. Yeah, and I think for those who play like NFBC, hopefully this can help you begin to shape uh, your KDS, like Kentucky Derby style preferences on where in the draft you want to be. Because while we're mainly focusing on the players in the first round, we're also for each of these guys going to talk about kind of who the pairing can be, right? It's like the this wine taste or this this wine pairs well with this meal. This this second round guy pairs well with Julio Rodriguez or you know so on and so forth. So with that, you start to get a sense of what that core build is going to be, and I think that's one way you can help with this. I think the other way, kind of with that pairings, is how you can go wrong. So as we go through this, it's like you know you you don't want to become. Uh, overexposed in a certain area. So if you if you drafted kind of a health risk with your first rounder, you don't want to turn around and grab Jordan Alvarez, for example. So there are certain ways where I would really recommend against um it, it you know, and, and that's another way that you can go round go wrong early on in the first two rounds. So uh with all that said, Steve, um anything else to add before we kind of jump in because there are a good like twelve to fifteen guys we want to talk about. No, I'm I'm good to good to jump in. Okay, well we got Ronald Acuna, which after all that said, he is one that I feel like we can kind of gloss over the player a little bit. I mean, I, I don't think that forty seventy is realistic expectations, but I do and, and I've been on the record real on this quick, pod. Before, yeah, yeah. real quick, sorry to interrupt, but what what's your Kentucky Derby preference? What what do you what do you now that we have two drafts in the books, you and me specifically? Yeah. Well, um, no question. What's your, what's your KDS preference? Well, this is what I did with the the pitcherless mock early mm-hmm. on. Is there's no doubt in my mind I want the first overall pick because the the gap in Acuna is that much higher. Mm-hmm. Agree. And I love having that first crack in the third round where you can kind of almost lean on the rest of the draft room. The two three instead turn, of reacting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Acuna definitely is there. And then beyond that, I do like that one through five group. And you're close enough to a swing. After that, I'll go to the other swing where it's like 12, 13. So my my KDS is something like 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, 12, 11, 10, 7, 8, 9. Like basically the middle that, comes That's last. what mine was for our um, listener league. I think the one change I would do, I would go like 5 to 2 after 1 um, and sort of get a, one of those unquote, good names. better yeah. second rounder um that, that makes still sense. be somewhat towards the end just because i'm really comfortable with like any of wit julio carol mookie tucker and, and i'll even like a few other guys like even like i would bump up tatis so i would bump up uh you know judge or alvarez um to 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 that five or six spot. So that's the one change I would do. I got the second pick. I think I was the second overall KDS choice. I would have just, you know, bumped it from like six to two or five to two um, in reverse order rather than the one through six. But I really think that's, that's picking nets. Like it's one, it's a good point. And then sort of your preference of where you want to be in the draft. 
I mean, that's the best. That's the best argument for five over two. I think is that you get a you get the mm-hmm. higher value in round two. The yeah. flip side of the coin is always for me. I like to be close to those swing picks in the snake draft, just so you don't get a team build like blown up if you're counting on a whatever a closer mm-hmm. or really want that shortstop and he gets sniped. That always stings. So, um, Ronald Acuna, though, Steve. I mean. The player himself, I don't know, like you already mentioned, this is the biggest lock at, at 1-1 since Prime Trout. Um, anything you want to talk about in terms of the performance? Obviously, we're not looking at a 40-70 season again. If he, do, if he does, that would be incredible. But you can probably come back to like 30-45 and still be very, very happy with that being the top player in fantasy. Um, what are your thoughts on Acuna, if, if any? Uh, it's a, you know picking the tiniest of nits, but I might expect a little bit of regression in the K percentage. I mean, it went from twenty three and point six percent to eleven point four percent. Absolutely insane. He cut his K rate by twelve percent, um, and still hit you know what forty one homers. Uh, crazy. Um, so that brings I, I don't average think it's going to go from... all the way. 337 down to like like 315. (laughs) Uh, Like there was a lot of game. Like I I look like under the hood a little bit, like his contact percentage, O contact, his chase rates. A lot of it stayed the same. Uh, He made the biggest gain in O contact. So out of the zone contact. And, you know, I wouldn't put anything past Acuna, but that just seems like the, and and I don't have the the research behind it, but that just seems like the least sticky of all those skills, right? Like, making contact outside the zone mm-hmm. um, could fluctuate the most year to year. Um, so maybe, you know, I, I, I would expect maybe like a 15% strikeout rate, um, which is still elite, basically. You're really, really good. Um, the 11.4% is elite. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he just stuck with that, um, with how good he is. So, um, yeah, maybe some steel regression too, but like there, everyone always talks about how like the biggest factor in stealing bases is the desire to steal bases. Like every time Acuna is on first, he has desire to steal second base. He attempted like he, 87 I, 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 steals. I've never year. seen anything like that. At least, you know, he, he attempted. It seemed like before my like Ricky Henderson was like that. All right, hold on, Steve. <laughs> he best, attempted yeah. more steals last year than he struck out. <laughs> Crazy. Eighty-seven Crazy. stolen base attempts, eighty-four strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, uh, and for for what it's worth, that three thirty-seven batting average is backed with a uh, three fifty-seven XBA. So yeah. who knows? Maybe you'll even get better. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the more interesting parts here. So two and three. Because I think we've talked about, Steve, like, you know, this next group, who's after Acuna. Early on in the offseason, we were talking, like, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, Corbin Carroll. Everyone kind of nests those three together because they're, like, the young speedsters. You know, the arrow's pointing up. You're getting them on the ascent. There's kind of a shorter track record. Now, Mookie Betts has kind of, ne- like, he he's cut in here, where now he's... He's in right in front of Corbin Carroll. So the order now goes Witt at two. Very close behind him is Julio Rodriguez at three. And then Mookie is just a hair ahead of Corbin Carroll at 4.57 and Carroll is 4.61. Again, this is since January 1st, so arbitrary endpoints a little bit. But uh, 
yeah, it's it's tough to talk about any of these guys without context of the other ones. But let's try to to briefly go through Bobby Witt first. Uh, I know you're coming off two years of being out on him, but it feels like this year the pendulum has swung. Um, and I, I think we've discussed that we both like Witt here. Uh, talk to me about Bobby Witt, if you would be comfortable and if you would like him at this two spot or if you would rather pick him somewhere else. I would be comfortable at two. Um, there's a proof of concept in our league. I had the second overall pick. I took Bobby Witt. Um, curious as to see if you would have done the same thing. Um, the shortstop eligibility was a tiebreaker for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily even because of outfielders at the turn. I did take an outfielder in the 2-3 in the turn, but I feel like there's outfielders that you could build in the middle rounds, um, early middle rounds, um, if you don't take one early. Not saying that you shouldn't. Like I would gladly take Julio a 3. I would even consider him a 2. Um, but I think I also trust Witt's skills slightly more. Um, they were just improvements across the board for Witt um, in the second year. His quality contact, barrel rate, hard hit, sweet spot, average exit velocity all went up. Um, he made gains in, in plate discipline. He cut his K rate by 4%. There was a slight uptick in, wa- in walk percentage. It went up 1%. Um, he improved his O contact. So everything just seems to be on the up and up for Bobby Witt. Um, not that it isn't for Julio or for you know any any of those other players, um, even though they're not necessarily at the same points of their career. But I also just think that the shape of Witt's production has been a little bit more consistent. I know Witt started off a little slow as far as the slash line, but there was a ton of homers and a ton of steals early. Mm-hmm. Um, Julio was really fueled by an insane August and, and second half. Um, so... I I also think there's a little bit more consistency with um, with speed, where I, I'm much more confident in Wit getting like 40 to 50 stolen bases, whereas Julio, I think I'm projecting more towards the 30. Um, again, this is this is picking at straws. It's it's super close. And then for me, the tiebreaker sort of came down to that shortstop eligibility. Um, so that's why I went Wit, and I would take Wit number two overall. Um, in, in most drafts this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the splits for Julio aren't as rough as I thought. Cause I was going the same place, Steve, that like his mm-hmm. first half was super rough. Honestly, his first half, he did hit 249, which Bobby Witt's first half was 257. So they mm-hmm. both struggled from an average standpoint. Bobby Witt had 14 homers, 27 steals. Julio had 13 homers, 22 steals. So, like, kind of similar. Yeah. 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 But I do agree that, like, it seemed like Julio was more of that, um, you know, Superman for a week. And then, you know, if you have enough of those and your your final line doesn't look better than Bobby Witt, then, like, it's almost a deduction that Witt was more steady production week in, week out, or month in, month out. Because, yeah, to your point... Julio had that monster August where he had a 1,200 OPS, whereas Witt, it was like you you look at each of his months and, yeah, it, it never peaked that high, right? So that means he was a little bit more steady across the board. 
I don't think the argument really needs to go past the position eligibility for me, at least, because the more I've done mock drafts and actual drafts this offseason, I'm not liking shortstop, man. Like that, that cliff comes quick. Mm-hmm. Even Bo Bichette, who I grabbed in our listener league, like I'm crossing my fingers that we get old Bo Bichette and that like, oh, back of the baseball card. But he had five steals last season. Um, and I know that steals are abundant and that's why the auction calculators are kind of devaluing them, but you still need to get steel. Like when there's that many to go around, you need, you need guys that have 25, 30 steals. And Bobby Witt was two of those guys last year with 49 steals. So he's got the steals. You're dressing shortstop. Um, I agree all around. And one other thing that's kind of nice for five by five is Witt walks so infrequently at just a 5% clip that his batting average is going to help you all all that more often. So, yeah, I'm kind of deciding as we go, Steve, in my all-important home league, I think I have the fourth pick. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion because in my mind I hadn't really made it up, but I'm at least ready to say wit over Julio, although Julio is amazing. What a consolation prize. And this is, again, this is like trying to determine the, the narrowest of tiebreakers, but if you do take Julio – at pick two, three, four, whatever, and it's a snake draft, you're basically limited to taking whatever infielder falls to you in the back end of the second round, right? Like, you can't double tap on an outfielder there. Um, You could take a pitcher, but Strider and Cole are probably gone by that point. Um, So unless you want to bump up Burns or Castillo or Wheeler, which is a fine thing to do... um, you're basically limited to, okay, whatever shortstop, second baseman, or third baseman falls to me with whatever the the twenty second pick, twenty third pick, mm-hmm. um, that that's who I'm I'm taking. I mean, the good news is that back end, uh, that back end of the second round is pretty rich with positional players. Definitely. So I think in terms of the pairing, to your point, Steve, for Julio Rodriguez, you are looking at guys like Corey Seager, uh, Pete Alonzo, Vlad, uh, whereas for Witt, there's no reason why you couldn't you know, get another infielder as long as it's not a shortstopper. So there yeah. goes Seager. But you can also get the Luis Robert Jr. in like the third round if you wanted to, which I think is, is kind of what you're saying, right? Just don't double up on, on outfield. Yeah, don't double up on outfield in the first two two rounds. Right. I, I did that in my uh, in the my mock, mock draft, right. and it was it was painful. Yeah, yep. Uh, we'll we'll keep talking outfield because I, I kind of had an insight in our listener league too on on my approach, and I'm pretty happy with it. But speaking of positional eligibility, the next one, like I mentioned, is Mookie Betts, who carries the second base eligibility, which is massive, and that's that's a position you have to have a plan for. Uh, it feels like you got to take your medicine at some point, like I did with Andres Jimenez, not someone I'm like circling, but I was like, gosh, really need a second baseman. I could use some speed. Mookie Betts carries that, and his, his ADP right now is uh, 4.57. So this is the fourth pick. And Mookie, uh, another guy you've kind of been out on, Steve, but the counting stat, he's just such a steady build. It's much different than any of these guys, I mean, Acuna is kind of his own category, but next to Witt, Julio, and Corbin Carroll, choosing Mookie Betts feels like you're actually taking a different approach, uh, in my opinion, because it's more that floor at second base versus 
you know, the, the potential for like a 30, 50 type of guy. Uh, but talk to me about Mookie. Will you find yourself with shares? Do you like this approach and who some pairings might be? Yeah. Uh, if I'm in this slot, um, and, and it seems like I will be based on where I set KDS going forward. Um, I am more than comfortable taking Mookie bets. Um, the fact that he's second base eligible and also has the outfield eligibility, especially in FBC leagues when, you know, uh, in the dog days of summer when you're facing, you know, you know, it's battles of attrition with trying to field, you know, uh, a, a healthy lineup at, at certain points. Um, having that flexibility is an add bonus, even though, you know, 99% of the time you are going to play him at second. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think do think short you're... short for Yahoo as well. Uh, yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. I assume so. Yeah, um, which is also awesome. Um, I think you're paying up a little bit for probably what is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a relative career year. I know he had a season in 2018 where he had 1079 OPS, absolutely insane. Um, I, I, he's a Hall of Fame player, which is why I'm confident that there won't be too much of a drop off here. He's not um, far off. Yeah, but, I can't believe he's only been around for 10 years. But yeah, yeah. The, the Hall of Fame talks aren't far away. Yeah. You know, even if it is 30 homers with the 285 average and a 900 OPS rather than a 987, that's still well worth it where he goes, especially with the position flexibility you get. Um, you know, the steals aren't days of 30 anymore, but he still did steal 14. Um I think more than anything that how good that Dodgers lineup is sort of preventing them from wanting to run. Um, and maybe now that they added Otani, it'll be even a little less. Uh, but you never know. Like, right. Like, especially with the rules, like, yeah, look at Freddie Freeman had exactly, popped off for 23 exactly, last year. Exactly. Like the, there's no reason like Betts has the speed to steal 20 bags still. And he I only got be caught, surprised if he did. Yeah, he got caught three times out of, out of the 17 attempts. So that's a great clip if they wanted to, Give him the green I light even more often. I think when you're building your team, though, you want to be safe and just project him for 10 mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with, you know, maybe anything else as an added bonus. But yeah, uh, Mookie is insane. Uh, you know, the best power rate since 2018, um, best hard hit rate since 2018. Um, like, <laughs> you know, it, it just seemed like he had some unlucky years with Babip, and last year it was 316, um, and, and he hit mm-hmm. above 300. Um, it was 272 so, and 276 two years before that. So, um, just jumping in, Steve, that like, I know we talked about, and, and last year I think is when there is a little bit more of a light being shown on the, the walk rate for guys who are plus average guys, but just to tease that out. So a 276 batting average for Bo or for uh, Bobby Witt jr. Like that's a small, uh, benefit, right? That's above average, but he only walked 40 times Mookie while he has that like 300 batting average hit tool. He had, uh, let's see, 96 walks last year. So those are just, I mean, maybe you're getting runs out of those, but for the most part in five by five, those are kind of dead categories. That's the only thing that like, I'm still trying to keep in mind because it feels reversed to how I usually analyze these guys. But ones that have these like 14% or 19% walk rates in the case of like, spoiler alert, we'll get to Soto, Aaron Judge. Like when they do have that plus batting average, you wish, you, you kind of wish that the walks weren't like cannibalizing from that. Um, 
Yeah, that's I mean, a, that's a, there's also t- the there's also the the downside of if those walks were out, um, you know, it would bring the batting average down too. That's true. That's a good point. But overall, if a 300 hitter, yeah, yeah, like I want him getting meaningful plate appearances. Sure, um, sure, especially yeah, in five it, by five. Yeah. Anyway, projections for Mookie at ATC. They do have him for 35 homers. Or I'm sorry, 33 homers, 114 runs, 94 RBIs, and then on the steals they've just got him at 13. The batting average is 283, which I would be all over uh, the over on that one. Um, the highest is the bad X at 287. So um, I know these projection systems are meant to bake in regression and bring things back down to normal, and that's sort of where Betts is. Uh, you know, he's a 294 career hitter, so. Uh, pretty close, but I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if it was it was over, especially with you know how dangerous that that lineup is, and you know you're either walking the guy, or you have to give some, give him a pitch to hit um, with that loaded Dodger lineup. So, yeah, yeah. In terms of guys, we would like to pair with Mookie. I, I think he has such a flexibility with that second base and outfield. Anyone that you can yeah. go with any of those guys. So that's Anyone? that's the nice part about Mookie. I mean, your um, your uh, the goon squad even took a, another second baseman in, in round three, and just because Betts is uh, so flexible, it's not even that big a deal. I know we were razzing yeah. him about it, but uh, it's true. Yeah, they can put him yeah. wherever. And then uh, the only thing is because what we were talking about with speed, if we're only counting on ten, it might not be a bad idea to look at speed, which yeah is a little scarce on the way back, but like. Ozzy Albies is there. Again, that's the second base. Like in Yahoo, I would totally endorse Mookie and Albies and throw Mookie at short. Um, sure. Or, you know, would you would you say Mookie and Ellie is a, a good pairing? I know Ellie uh, kind of has this bus tag, but if you're going to go the Ellie route, what a great yeah, kind of uh, yeah. high floor guy to pair him with. Exactly. Who's safer than like... Bats or Tucker, I think the guy we'll talk about next are two great pairings um, for Ellie. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Ellie may even dip a little bit into the third round too. So on the way back, you you could potentially grab him. Uh, but I think that's those are great high floor players to pair with with someone like Ellie. And you know if any you know if Ellie does anything this year, it'll be steal when he can. So. Um, that is a great, great uh, pairing. I saw you put that on the rundown. Thought that was a, a great uh, observation and way to think yeah. about building your first few rounds. It's the least uh, buyer's remorse that that you will get from Ellie. Is, is if you have Mookie, you can feel feel good about it. Um, so I wanted to hear your take, Steve, on Mookie versus the next one because that might be the all important debate for me at pick four in my, in my home league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first guys, we have to talk to you about factor, uh, get started on your resolutions this year with factor. So you're ready for the new year factors, ready to eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work and cooking fatigue. Instead get chef crafted dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, 
calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Skip the overpriced takeout trap. Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. Get chef-crafted, restaurant-quality meals delivered right to your door. They're ready to heat and eat in just two minutes, which means more time for you. Head to factormeals.com slash WAF50 and use code WAF50 to get 50%. That's code WAF50 at factormeals.com slash WAF50 to get 50% off. So Steve, Corbin Carroll comes next. And this one, uh, again, he he was kind of lumped in with the other guys with Witt and Julio. We're starting to see him pull, pull back a little bit to where now he's neck and neck with Mookie here. Uh, a very different kind of profile it seems like we're starting to get into uh maybe the 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 biggest uh discrepancy between floor and ceiling out of anyone we've talked about so far uh but where do you fall with carol what are some some reasonable expectations and uh yeah we can get into pairings all that good stuff but ultimately the question i want answered for me selfishly is should i go carol or mookie in the first half of the season I think Corbin Carroll was the clear-cut number two player and, and was on his way to being the number two pick behind Ronald Lacuna. Um, wow. Then he left the game on July on June 29th, missed two games, and then left the game again on the 7th of July um, when he had a follow-up shoulder injury. It looked like he was potentially done for like the year. Um, he ended up being okay. I don't even think he. I think he just had like a. a Minimum IL stint. Uh, I could be wrong. He may not even got on the IL. But what is important uh, about those two dates and about those two events is the slash line and the production before and after. From the start of the season, so March 30th, 2629, the first time that he left the game with a shoulder injury, um, he slashed 290, 366, 559. Good enough for a 926 OPS with 24 stolen bases. <laughs> After That's like that in point, the first half, 24 yeah, stolen bases. Yeah, yeah, and I think there was, uh, before the All-Star break, there was 18 homers. So the 18 homers you know, minus one or two uh, with those 24 stolen bases up until uh, yeah. um, the 29th of June. After that date, and it also should be noted that Corbin Carroll had major shoulder surgery when he was in the minors, missed a year, um, so it's been uh, a concern for him before. Um, after that date, he slashed 278, 354, 448, good enough for an 803 OPS. He still did steal 30 bases in that time, which was a good sign. Um, in the first half, he had 18 homers and 349 plate appearances with 20 doubles. In the second half, in 296 plate appearances, he had seven homers and only 10 doubles. So the power was basically cut in mostly half. Um, And I say that he was well on his way to to being the second overall pick because there is a big difference in, you know, a 36 homer guy and someone that could steal 50 bases like he did last year and a 20 to 25 homer guy like he fully what was on the whole last year um at steals you know um 50 bases um like it's too much of a question mark i know that the fact that he didn't get surgery is good um he's recovered all off season um 
you know, maybe if if you hear some reports about how strong a soldier is, he has um, a strong spring and has no restrictions, whatever. Um, I'm sure that ADP will creep a little bit back up, but right now, I think I probably take Wit, Julio, Betts, and maybe even Tucker before him, um, mm-hmm. just because I trust Tucker's power a little bit more. Um, but it basically comes down to the shoulder, like full healthy shoulder. Like uh, I think Carroll's clear cut number two um, because I think he could. He's shown that he could. You know, be a thirty to thirty-five homer guy with uh, with that elite, elite speed. Even a step above, like Witt and Julio, guys that could steal thirty or forty bases in their sleep. Carroll might be closer to like a sixty steal guy. Yeah, and the two eighty-five average is terrific last year. He does have the most walks of the three of them. Um, but yeah, I, I would feel so much better if there were news articles in the off season that it, you know we, we just haven't gotten to that news cycle yet. So it's going to be something we watch closely. Uh, for me, I, I just seeing he's he's lefty, but his homers go to all fields. Um, he might he be doesn't have the just, barrel per, doesn't have the I'm barrel saying, rate dude. right like doesn't yeah, have the quality contact that... when, when I see blue barrel rates, I want to see all the homers be like dead pole. Yeah, and his aren't. So when I see that, when I hear shoulder, I've always been kind of a risk averse first round guy. I just don't, I don't think I'm going to be having Corbin Carroll shares unless, you know, maybe it's a specific league with like a, uh, an overall, or if he just looks amazing and is saying all the right things in spring, maybe I'll, I'll get frisky, but yeah, I, I think it's a great breakdown as you put, I do think from the reasons we talked about, you're going to want to pair Corbin Carroll with some stability like we talked about. So, you know, whether that's like somebody like an Austin Riley who you can kind of chalk up for production or like a Raphael Devers, who's like the metronome of, you know, whatever, 280, 30 homers, 100, 100. I think you'll be happy to have some stability to go with Corbin Carroll, but you've got your, your speed taken care of. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Any anything else to add there? I know you mentioned Tucker. He's he's next on our list to talk about. But it's, it's just so crazy risky, to to see that Homer spray chart of just homers all over the field, and then like the good but not amazing um, quality. Some of them are wall scrapers, dude. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm counting one, two, three. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if I should be impressed by that or concerned. It, it, it's it, it, it is maybe maybe it's, it's like a great more baseball of a, player more of an avoid yeah and Carroll's always been one of those guys that like even when he was like the top prospect it's like you know he performs better than his height and size and barrel rate like and he does um, so maybe we're just we're we're worried to making too much out of nothing and it's just that he's just that good that it doesn't really matter um but I think currently, given the shoulder injuries, there are safer plays in the first round. Well, let's talk about the safest of all, probably, because it yeah. just seems like Kyle Tucker has, in a perfectly boring way, cemented himself as like a, a pick five through nine. He's like right there with Freddie Freeman at this point. Uh, last year, it was my bold prediction, Steve, that he was going to turn the corner and be the number one overall player in fantasy and that he could hit 300, 310 instead of 280. And that if, you know, he had two 
instead of having a hot second half, if he put two of those halves together, that maybe this is like a 40-30 guy. It seems like no matter what, you're going to get 30-30, yeah. uh, 280 <laughs> average, 100-100. And that's what he's projected for. That's what he did last year. Um, now, he is a min pick, too, which is really interesting to me. I don't think I would ever do that unless... No. I just wouldn't. If, if I was going... Maybe if someone says Mookie doesn't have the speed, but Kyle Tucker has the floor. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's kind of odd. Um, yeah, talk to me about Kyle Tucker. He did heat up in the second half. I feel like he does that every single year. Every but year, yeah. As someone who managed him in my home league last year, the first month and a half, two months, everyone was like, you know, sending the meme with the cane. And it was like, do something, do something. And then, you know, finally he broke out. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if you've got thoughts on Tucker. He seems like such a set it and forget it mid mid pick here. Yeah, it's... It's quote unquote boring. It's oatmeal, as DVR and you know Saris like to say on uh, uh, on rates and barrels, uh, even for a first round pick. But I think that that's the greatest thing. Like you could pencil in the two eighty, thirty, thirty, eight fifty to nine hundred OPS, depending on you know some other batted ball metrics and and batted ball luck. Like. Uh, it is as safe and, and and steady as you can get, and I think that's a really really good thing in the first round. Like, I'll, I'll it, it'll take me two seconds to draft Kyle Tucker, uh, you know, in that slot if I'm there in any in the uh, if I'm in the middle of the first round for for any of my teams. So um, I, I think it's just in Roto, like he is just a steady, consistent five category contributor, uh, and that is a great great. Um, asset to have is he still batting like sixth no i think i think they they think they they roster resource has him at fifth and jose abreu's cleanup come on man yeah like is is abreu he just i mean dusty baker always like to um left right left right yeah he bet most of his at bats came um in the three hole last year he had 248 plate appearances in third, that was 190 at fourth. I think Altuve um, was out. And, and 230 at fifth. So he'll be two, three, or four. Or, you know, three, four, or five. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of what the what would the path be for the upside. I guess, like, you know, two years ago he hit 294. So if he did that and he hit the 30 homers, his power is immense. So, like, his, his like, Yeah. I, it would be awesome if we could see a season, obviously, where he goes beyond the 30. Because it seems it's three years in a row, 30 homers, 30 homers, 29 homers. Like, when you look at how deep he hits I mean, the even ball, when he was a prospect, like, he was such a huge prospect because he had that 30-30 season in the minors, right? Like, <laughs> he is just a 30-30 guy. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Age 27, yeah. peak, yeah. Uh, peak yeah. power, you would say. Yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah, that's that's Kyle Tucker. Um Moving on to the next one, uh, equally oatmeal-y, uh, Freddie Freeman, though it's starting to look a little different, kind of Goldschmidt-esque where it's like it doesn't matter how it comes, prime Goldschmidt, I should say, doesn't matter what it looks like or how it happens, he's going to be a top 10 guy. Last year, he hit 331, 29 homers, but 23 steals was the shocker. Um, and then the most slept on stat on, on the back of his baseball card was 131 runs scored with the Dodgers. Um, so that was Freddie Freeman. And 
I put here, Steve, surprisingly gaining some helium because I've heard some people uh, talk. I think Scott Chu had talked about it, um, that Freddie Freeman might be like his number two overall. And if you told me I was going to get 20 steals, it starts to get interesting. I just don't know if we can count on that. The projections have him at hitting 300, 25 homers, 15 steals and then 200 runs RBIs. Um, I've just heard enough people around the industry kind of like scooting him up and getting excited about Freddie Freeman. And if you look at like his line chart on NFBC, it is moving up slowly but surely. So uh, people like the floor here, but we kind of saw the career year last year, if I can say that, just because the average, the runs, and the steals, three of your, your core five stats were more than you would have expected. Um, so talk to me about uh, Freddie, who we like here. Um, if you would grab him here and, and kind of what pairings make sense. The more I look at it, the more I'm interested in Freddie Freeman. To get steals at first base is huge. And it's not just like a, it's a good point. Uh, a five to 10. Like I think you're, you're comfortable to project him from 10 to 20. Um, he his batting caught, average the last four years. He only got caught years. once, just on the speed. He only got caught once last year. His batting average the last four years, 341, 300, 325, 331. So I think a 300 batting average is very, very conservative. Yeah. And it's an underrated stat. I know we, we, we talk about how runs are an underrated stat. I think batting average is also overglossed, is, is overlooked. Like, to have someone that you could reasonably expect 320 from in this day and age is massive. Like there's so many guys in the back end of the draft that like, Oh, I love this guy. Like, you know, it, yeah, it's a two twenty average, but uh, he hits 25 homers and steal 15 bases. Like there's so many guys at the end of the draft like that. Yeah. And it's, you, you overlook the, the drag of that. Like, you know how many slumps you have to go through to hit 220 in, you know, in, in 550 at bats? Like, there's a lot of fruitless at bats there. Um, so, to have a guy that could reasonably, you know, is the odds on favor to win the batting title, um, will steal you a non just chipping in amount of stolen bases that could also pop 30 homers. But at that position, too, at is that really, position, yeah, that's, that's a going really to good get argument. 100 and 230 combined, you know, a, a 220, 230 combined runs plus RBIs. Like, there probably is more of a case for Freddie Freeman, um, especially that, you know, first base is sort of top heavy. Um, uh, I, I think I'm selling myself on bumping Freddie Freeman up my draft board. Yeah, I would move him in front of Tucker as we talk about it. Um, I think that's easy because first is more rare. They're, they both share the high floor, but I think Freeman helps you enough. And Freeman's counting stats are like notably better than Tucker's. So you've got him crushed in average. You've got him beat in runs and RBIs you're just slightly trailing in speed is like the only thing. But even last year he had 23 steals. Who's to say he doesn't have 20 again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Tucker could reasonably come close to the Astros lineup is absolutely amazing too. 
Um, yeah, but he's hitting fifth. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, where did it, like where Freeman bats? What normally second? Um, yeah, I think so. And now he's got Otani behind him, so there's yeah. forty free yeah, runs. Yeah, um, most of his at bats came. Uh, I just had it up and it went away. There's a uh, little bit of age with Freeman. Like this is his age, thirty four years. He's gonna keep. You know, eventually he, you have to stop stealing twenty bases. I would bet against it happening a year after he only got caught once. Yeah, he hit second um, the whole year, essentially, last year. But if you're going to move him up your draft boards, like, you got to bump somebody. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. He didn't bet anywhere other than second. That's that's pretty crazy. I think I would put him behind Mookie, dude. I think I'd put Corbin Carroll and Tucker after Freddie Freeman. So you take him five. Uh, yeah, I, 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 could, I could see an argument for that, and wouldn't necessarily be opposed. Okay. So pairing wise though, I think you'd want to, I mean, you've got your floor. So again, like we talked about with bets, he gives you a little bit of license to chase ceiling um, in some other rounds if you want. But the only thing with Freddie is you're not getting 40 homers. You'd be lucky to get 30. I think when you look at like his recent years, cause what, uh, just yeah, I, I think that's just to push back a little bit. I think there's the possibility of 20 homer Freddie Freeman like we saw in 2022. Yeah. He had 38 homers in 2019. That was rabbit ball. Yeah. Then 31 in 2021, 21 in, in 22. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of an outlier. I think and we that just still came with a 918 OPS. I know. And yeah, yeah he does walk doubles, a doubles decent machine. amount. But yeah. Yeah, I think he's yeah, you're 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 a little bit less on power. So as it relates to pairing, like this would be great with his trade trade guy, Matt Olson. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. to pair. I guess they're both first basemen. So uh Gavin in our league did Freeman and Riley. I love that. Yes, that's a great <laughs> first pairing. First and third, yeah. Honestly, but, this is this might be one of the best ones with Jordan Alvarez, because if you're gonna get Alvarez, you want floor with somebody else. And My hope you'd, you'd for have Freeman outfield first base and Alvarez has the pop that Freeman lacks a little bit. My hope for Freeman, um, or, or my ideal drafting would be at taking him like closer to the turn and doing like a Freeman Soto Freeman, you know, Freeman anyone basically in in the back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like he's just, just you know he's not going to make it there at this point. Yeah, no. Point, points league god as well. So if uh, you guys are in any of those leagues, he moves. He's right uh, he's our main piece in our uh, dynasty league too. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, Steve, we uh, got a handful of names we still have to get through, and we're going to do our best. But we have to take an ad break, and we'll be right back. Okay, so going from the high floor stability of Freddie Freeman to. Uh, the probably the one of the sexiest names on the board because you don't have to pay first overall like you did in years past. Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, really surprised to see his min pick is three, uh, but I guess you're kind of expecting Wit to do what you once hoped Tatis, or uh, yeah, what what Tatis Jr. used to do. Last year, Tatis had a three or a two fifty seven batting average, twenty five homers, twenty nine steals. That was in one hundred and forty one games, so really good. But the XBA was two eighty two, so even more on top of that. 
just a, a little more human, right? Than what we've seen in the past where we would think he was a 40, 40 guy add in the PED stuff, the injury scares, the Padres never really clicked. Um, and some of the stuff under the hood didn't look great for Tatis with like the barrel rate was was just good instead of amazing. Uh, his home run to fly ball was 17% versus the 30 that it's been in years past. So it does make you kind of squint and say like, you know, was it just juice related, stuff like that. Um, what are your thoughts on Tatis Jr. and do you feel like pick eight feels like the right time to to kind of gamble on it? Old me would have been jumping all over this and like seeing this as like the biggest buying opportunity and reaching for Fernando Tatis, uh, you know, a few picks early in the in the draft based on, you know, the fact that he had, you know, nineteen and twenty percent power rates in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, um, had hard hits rates of fifty five and sixty two percent, like just insane, insane, otherworldly you know, godly sort of stuff. I'm a little bit more, you know, pulled back on that and my expectations are a little bit more tempered, but I'm still pretty excited that this buying opportunity, um, I think that, you know, he was still coming. It was still the first year back from a wrist yep. surgery. Right. Yep. Um, I think, the PEDs thing is is a bit of a lazy narrative, and we don't really even have the information on to, you know, I, I don't think that all of a sudden he, he was a 975 OPS guy because of steroids, and now he's a 770 OPS guy, um, which is what he was last year. Um, no way. I think everyone yeah. would agree last year was an abnormally, like, down year, right? I like, think that's it was just a buildup after missing a full year after having major didn't wrist get a surgery. Didn't training, right? Didn't get a spring training. Didn't get a spring training, missed the first month of the season serving as a suspension. Um, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, a, a wrist injury for hitters is like, you know, you buy the pitcher the second year back from Tommy John, not the first year back. I think you buy the hitter the second year back from uh, a major wrist or shoulder injury. Um, you know, he was also, I mean, I know he won a gold glove, but he fully transitioned to a new position. Um, the Padres were just an absolute mess last year. Um, I, I don't see how Tatis doesn't do anything but regress closer to the MVP type season he had in 2021. Um, Sure, maybe it's not 40 homers, but I think it's like at least 35 and, you know, an OPS that starts with mm-hmm. an 8-8 eight, eight rather than a 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, so uh, I, I, I'm i basically in Talking on Tatis yeah, and, yeah. and, and could, could be tempted to, to take him even, um, you know, higher um, than a few of the guys that we that we talked about despite their they're safer floors. Yes, sir. I, I'm I'm on this this bus as well. I think um, first of all, stat check. He did have a spring training last year, but still, all the other yeah. reasons are, are, are valid. I'm like looking at like still the raw power numbers and everything. I, I'm in. He's he's 25 years old. Like he's still kind of the freak athletic build that we were so excited about with the hand speed, the actual sprint speed. Um, I'm putting him ahead of Tucker and Corbin Carroll on my board 
with Freddie Freeman, I think that's tough. I think I'd maybe it depends on the mood that I'm in, but I think that's like five, six for those guys. For me, um, I was thrilled to get Tatis Jr. and Otani at the swing at 12, 13 in our, our WAF listener league. Um, so yeah, that's what else can be said? It's it, when you look at projections, um, 33 homers, 27 steals from ATC and a 274 average, but the bat X likes him a lot more with a 285 average, 36 homers, 31 steals. Um, I just see us, Steve, honestly, mid-April, late April, doing this show and saying, what were we all thinking? Tatis Jr. is one of the best players in baseball. We forgot that it was Acuna and Tatis Jr. Those those names were said together, all of that. I can see us having that talk. We did it the year before. We focused Acuna fell because he had... You know, uh, kind of a down year, a down year, a little bit, and was his knee wasn't fully a hundred percent. We literally saw it last year. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. And like, talk about a YOLO, like going for the overall. Um, oh yeah, you know, trying to have the best team out of a hundred uh, or more. Um, what about that? Pick. What about that as a bold prediction? Tatis Junior goes forty seventy this year. He does the Acuna? Yeah, that's it's definitely like bold. It's definitely bold out. enough. It's definitely he goes out enough. and like tries to do it. That would be like yeah. you know Magic yeah. Johnson, Larry Bird type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well we got to keep rolling. Spencer Strider, uh, the first pitcher, as you guys can hear, little Tory crying in the changing room. Hopefully not. Your <laughs> uh, podcast first pitcher, debut. Welcome. Yep, yep, yep. Strider does have a min pick of two, um, and Steve, uh, like I've said this on the record too, but. I think as much as I'm fading pitching, if you're going to get an early pitcher, I would say in the first three rounds, there's no value I like more than Spencer Strider. Um, He, from an auction value standpoint, auction calculator, is worth twice the amount of Yamamoto or Aaron Nola or Freddie Peralta. And that's with conservative projections of his his K per nine coming down a full strikeout per nine. his ERA last year was kind of an anomaly. Like I just looking at Strider, I, I have a hard time seeing anything but 250 strikeouts and a sub three, four ERA. His whip could even get better because the walk rate isn't, you know, it's just above slightly above average. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how often I'll be doing it at pick nine, but I love it. And obviously you just want to turn around and pair him with a bat. Um, maybe uh, one that offers both speed and pop, like uh, Jose Ramirez checks off a, a, a third base, something like that at like pick eight, nine for, for Strider and then J-Ram at like 18. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like Strider and I think there might even be some leagues where I like try this strategy just to dabble. Uh, but what do you think on Strider? If you're going to take a pitcher in the first round, it has to be Spencer Strider. What about uh, in the first four rounds? Because of course you you would take Strider in the first round, but like, could you do you like the value of George Kirby or Strider more? Strider, I like Strider okay. more. The, okay. the the strikeouts at um, their cost, type you of know, thing. And, and the 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 next guy, Garrett Cole. Like, I know he won the Cy Young, but there's um, you know some dip in his K rate. I know he added the cutter and, and really suppressed homers, but I don't know how sticky that will be year to year, especially pitching half for games in Yankee Stadium. Um, and Strider just gives you such a boost in strikeouts uh, that it, it, 
if you're go yeah, if you're going to take a pitcher like in the first three rounds, um, I think you should you should probably do Schrider. So since there's so much less to talk about with pitchers, I want to go off book just real quick on an exercise. I've got the ADP pulled up for all these uh, pitchers. At what, um, how far down the pitcher board would you have to go before you said, I like this value at the ADP more than I like Strider at nine? Uh, Because like Kirby is at pick 39. Um, I know you like Yamamoto. That's at pick 48. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think around that range, like the, the 50 to 100 range is where I want to draft the picture, and that's where I start to like the values, yeah. Okay, interesting. Because I'm just thinking, uh, you know, any other position, it's easy for me to go down and say like, oh, I love Goldschmidt at pick 75. Uh, but at pitcher, there's attacks on so many people that I'm like, I really don't like. How can that be overpriced for Strider when he's that dominant compared mm-hmm. to that's, his peers? That's a good argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think we we totally endorse it if that's your thing, but we we tend to wait on pitching since Steve has kind of drilled that into my brain. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Aaron Judge is next. Steve, let's pair him and Juan Soto. Couple yep. of Yankees. And uh, another guy that, that's yeah. later down that, that we could pair that I want to talk about. Um, and, and Well, and these two are the uh, the ones that have identical ADPs since yeah. January 1st. This is 10.92. Uh, 10. So it's truly flip a coin for Judge and Soto. Um, man, in terms of breaking this down, Judge only played 106 games last year. He had that nasty toe kind of freak injury with the Dodgers wall. Um, so not like soft tissue. And he still had 37 homers in that time. Uh, his strikeout rate climbed, but his barrel rate and hard hit rate were, were career bests. So age 32 for Judge, um, he's projected for 46 homers, 7 steals, uh, 277 batting average. Um, that's Judge. Soto, on the other hand, a little bit of a slow starter last year. Uh, totally turned it around. He's got the short porch out there at Yankee Stadium. Um, I don't have his projections in front of me, but I can pull them up. Uh, but last year had a career high and hard hit rate. And yeah, I mean, this is Soto's another guy. It used to be Ronald Acuna, Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto were like the three. And I think we're still seeing Soto kind of evolve in a way, almost like Bryce Harper. Like, I feel like we haven't seen that MVP like the the full full breakout for Soto yet, and maybe it'll happen in New York. But uh, talk to me about these two as I pull up uh, Soto's projections. Yeah, the other guy I want to lump in here is Jordan Alvarez, um, and the reason why I want to do that is because I think in in head to head non roto like daily move leagues, like all three of these guys should get a massive bump up. And the reason being is that I don't think you need to have as you don't need to play as balanced as you do in Roto, right? Like in Roto, you need to compete in every category. You need to have a certain, you know, you need to meet X number of steals, X number of homers, X number of this. And head to head, Mm -hmm. you play the matchups and hitters like Judge, Soto and Alvarez give you such an advantage in the, the 
hitting categories where stolen bases you could either stream you could punt for a week if you're going up against a team that has a lot of stolen bases um you know to have hitters like alvarez soto and judge and head-to-head i think gives you such an advantage in you know the standard average home runs runs rbis even if you have ops as a category um it's it's gigantic and i think in head-to-head daily moves where you could you know fill in for Alvarez on his random days off or if he has a nagging knee injury for a few days. Um, if they want to, you know, you could fill Judge's you know, spot with another guy for a week matchup um, or a day matchup when they give him a rest to, to, to deal with his load management, things like that. In NFBC and, and those weekly leagues where you can't make those moves and you need to have, you know, a roto balanced team, sure, I understand them in the back end of round one, back end of uh, early part of round two. Um, but in head to head, I'm bumping those guys up. I think massively, um, maybe even ahead of like a you know an Olsen or Freeman. Um, could even argue over Tatis too. I think just because those three are just such good hitters, and the prospect of Juan Soto in Yankee Stadium with that short porch is super super enticing. Yeah, the he's prospect go on of Homer Homer binges yeah. for sure. The prospect of Jordan Alvarez finally having like a hundred and fifty game season, uh, just you know, makes me believe he can have a Matt Olson type year just with a three hundred average. Like Alvarez, I think is the best hitter in baseball, like just pure hitter. Um, and Judge, we all saw what he could do when he plays a full uh, one hundred sixty <laughs> games, right? Sure, probably everything less than the steals in that contract year. Wow. So, um. I mean, so, he was even on the pace last year, right? Like he had thirty. That's he was basically on the same pace, right, or close to it. Thirty-seven hundred six yeah, yeah. games. So Alvarez, I think we'd we'd put last, which ADP has just because mm-hmm. of the health. Mm-hmm. But talk to me with Judge and Soto. Judge has a little bit more health, even though last year again it was kind of a freak accident. But uh, Soto's projections: two seventy-seven. Sorry, let me get two eighty average, thirty-seven homers, ten steals. 105 runs, 100 RBIs. They're pretty dang close. Uh, you're getting a few more steals with Soto, a few more batting average points, and about 7 to 10 less homers. In a vacuum, which of these two guys do, or would you would you take? If you have that 10th, 11th pick and they're both there, 5x5, five five, Roto, are you going with Judge or Soto? I think I lean Judge very, very slightly. Um but I, I would lean judge. I just think the, you know, the 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 promise of thirty plus homers, basically as long as he plays a hundred games, like Soto could, in theory, just you know, with the amount of ground balls that he hits, the amount of walks that he takes, mm-hmm. um, could hit thirty even in Yankee Stadium, playing a hundred and fifty five games. I think the argument for Soto would be that the the batting average, like we've seen, we've seen Soto hit. Uh, it's been a minute, but we've yeah, seen it's him been hit a little 313. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was in 2021. In the shortened season, he hit 351. We've seen Judge hit 311. Aaron Judge has hit 300 more recently than Juan Soto. Yeah. I think for that reason, the only way you could justify Soto over Judge is probably just health and risk, right? Yeah, Soto does have a little bit of the Tatis, like, remember, I'm going to win multiple MVPs and be a Hall of Famer. And, He's 25, not yeah, 32. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, would you be surprised if Soto hit 300 with 
40 40-20. last year. Yeah, yeah 40-20 or something. Or maybe not the steals, but, you know. What's what, his career high uh, yeah. on steals? Oh, 12. 12, 12, 12. From, yeah. from, from last year. It is a contract year, though. It is a contract year. We saw it that they should judge. Yeah. I don't like that he only he only ran or he only stole 12 bases last year and he got caught five times. Yeah. That, and and then in 2021 he ran not or stole nine bases got caught seven times that's a terrible clip yeah yeah so maybe that's we really gotta kind of cement it at like a 10 steal output hell judges uh career high is higher than that right yeah I think he had close to 20 in uh in that contract here in 2022 yeah he had 60 16 yeah. steals the yeah. same year he had 62 homers yeah that's crazy nuts. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I, I think I just learned on the fly that I would prefer uh, Soto or Judge over Soto. Um, both walk specialists as well. So I think uh, points leagues or OBP leagues, I'm not sure how much changes. Uh, Trey Turner, quite a different mold here on the next <laughs> one in the in, in order. Twelve point four four is his ADP. So twelve thirteen, kind of back end of the first round. He is a min pick of two. Which I would imagine shortstop, it's shortstop related that, you know, people are looking at that position. They say, oh, Bobby Witt, why would I pay for what just happened when Turner is, is bound to go off? Um, seemed like he was pressing a little bit in, in the first full season with the Phils. Um, he did start to figure it out, 16 homers over August <laughs> yeah. and September. <laughs> uh, complete tear. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, yeah, beyond that, I mean, I think the biggest shock for me is that he tapped out at, what, 29 steals, even with the new base running environment. So I would love if we could see Trey Turner just be, even at age 30, like a 50-steal guy, you know, seeing so many other guys go out and do stuff like that. Uh, your thoughts on Trey Turner, Steve? I feel like you've you've kind of been a Turner guy his whole career. Yeah, um, I definitely have. I remember... Uh grabbing him when he first came up with the Nationals his rookie year and was playing center field. Um, I think that Turner could be a really good value. Um, it is concerning that up until August, thir- 20, August 3rd, he had a two thirty five batting average with 10 homers. Like It was mm. pacing to be like the one of the worst first-round busts ever. And then in, in August, he had... 333 with the 1061 OPS in September he had 299 hit 16 homers over the two months and essentially it looked like nothing happened right it was like well you know nothing to see here moving along this is just a normal Trey Turner year when it was was, was he anything. the one was he first overall last year uh I mean it, it was you know uh who would go first uh, last year? Because Acuna uh, had the down year. Yeah, Tatis uh, was shelved. I thought t- Trey Turner was like right up there. Yeah. Um, who was the consensus number one pick last year? How how are we forgetting this? Um, but regardless, he uh-huh. he was he was he was you know he was um, he was considered definitely for for yeah, uh, one of them. For 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 a first overall pick, absolutely for sure, um, but it is concerning that he is you know getting a little bit older. The chase rate was a big factor for his first you know four months production, um, and I put in in our rundown, uh, which 
a little tease. Hopefully you'll be able to see stuff when we look at stuff like this in the future, near future. Um, his 15-game rolling average for 2023 with his O-swing, so his chase rate, and his WOBA. And it's basically like the two lines are inverses of each other. When his chase rate is high, his WOBA was way down. Once he stopped chasing um, around game 100 in that you know, August mark, um, his WOBA shot all the way up. Um, so it, it was directly correlated to that. Um, I do like, you know, I think I think the, the first year of a contract, especially in a city like Philadelphia, that could be that tough um, is it, definitely a thing. There's, there's a mental aspect to that. Um, and, yeah, I think that Turner does have upside, especially in the steals, because um, oh, Otani was a was a was a first overall pick last year, um, at least where he was dual eligible. Uh, but Turner, Judge, Acuna, it was really a crapshoot. Um, mm. Sorry, but to get back no, to it, no, I think that was bugging me. Yeah, yeah um, I think Turner does have stolen base upside, especially with the new rules, because. He did steal 11 bases in June when he hit 279. But in those months where he was absolutely horrible, like the last thing he was worried, like he couldn't even get on base. How was he going to steal, you know, steal bases when he was, um, you know, hitting 200? Um, And even when he did get on base, it it was the last thing he thought about. So I think, you know, you can't really look at that second half. Never getting on base and not stealing to only hitting home runs and not being able to steal as much. And that that June month of 11 steals is a bit of an outlier because that, that, you know, in April when he he hit um, 261, four stolen bases. 208 in May, three stolen bases. 218 in... in July, three stolen bases. Uh, 333 in um, August with only two stolen bases, but he had nine homers and... Um, 685 yeah. slug. Uh, yeah. he, he, was, he, was, he was homering too much to, to steal bases. Nine doubles. Yeah. 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 So what are you stealing third? Right. Yeah. And then he had seven steals uh, when he hit 299 in September. So I, I think just a more normal season and more you know evenly spread out season for trey turner would easily allow him like he could steal as many bases as he wants um he has that sort of speed um so i i could see him getting closer to 40 though he has always uh, you know slightly disappointed at least uh, relative to expectations and how fast he is and how good he is at stealing bases you know there was never like a 60 stolen base season um, from him, but with the new rules, with how good he is, if he does have a normal, um, a more normally distributed season as far as production wise, I could see him getting to that forty steal mark, um, twenty yeah. homers, decent average, good runs and RBIs. Like, yeah, Trey Turner should be um, a totally fine and safe pick. Yeah, career high forty six steals uh, in a season for for Turner and yeah a lot of the stats under the hood just kind of looked like he was pressing the fly balls were actually up a little bit um and he's one of those guys like we were talking about the the kind of the underlying data doesn't jump off the page but like he you know he knows how to get the most out of the power that he has a lot of pull pull homers things like that so I really like Turner I, I would move him up a little bit uh just because again shortstop falls mm-hmm. off a cliff. 
I think we've seen a lot of guys uh, support that narrative of pressing the first year and they get better the second year. Uh, Philly's lineup is is underrated. So, yeah, I like Turner. Uh, Steve, here we are at an hour 15. Um, That's a 12-team league. Do we want to cherry pick any final names? I know we've talked about some of these names in passing um, as as pairing guys like Alvarez or Jose Ramirez. I guess Otani might be the the big one that we haven't covered. Um, yeah, and, and I think may get uh, some of that Tatis Soto treatment too, right? Like, um, oh, totally. all it I would mean, take I, is like a two or three homer series in in that series in uh, uh where where is it to start um the season like there's two early games in the middle of march like if otani's fully healthy and has like four hits two homers like he's going to be pick like five you know um yeah. in, in those two games those two free look games uh, as they like to call them um but i i think otani it's just the e- even right? even without That's the pitching issue? even without the pitching if there wasn't the concern of the, the elbow surgery like I think he could probably be just as good, if not better, than any of these teams that we talked right. well, about. So, yeah. So going into the off season, I'll be totally honest. I thought that this whole draft was going to be Acuna one, Otani two, because he's coming off a year where he hit three oh four, had forty four homers, twenty steals, and he only played one hundred and thirty five games. So if you DH him every day, even if you only give him fifteen more games, you're talking about like forty eight homers, twenty three steals. Uh, 300 hitter, and that's just like he could get better if he's not focused. He had on 197 runs and RBIs on the Angels. What is he right, going to have the Dodgers. on the Dodgers? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, he could get up there with that that Mookie Freddie Freeman territory of like 230 runs and RBIs. So my question is, Steve, if he had the outfield eligibility and not like this oh. util, where how high does he jump up? I, Top I don't know. I, I'm I'm crazy. I don't know. I'm not the right guy to ask about Otani. You know, everybody loves him, but I I think I would take him like two or three. So this is. I, I, I think this is, is going to be one of those 11. things. Looking back, that like how dumb are we? Like, I totally agree, man. I totally agree, and that's why I'm all pumped up that I got and now Otani you're win and our, Tatis. Uh, win our listener league. Yeah. So this, I just wanted to reiterate for the listeners: if he didn't have the util, we like him in the top three or four. I think we can say that easily. I think if he didn't have the util and there was less questions around the elbow and, you know, it, we but saw with Harper that it took him a little bit to, to get going, especially with the power. Otani did have the surgery a month earlier than Harper did, which is... Did, didn't he? You know, wasn't he still productive at the dish? He was. It, it just it, the power was not there for Harper. Like, all of his power came in the second half after he, like, was able to, like, fully play the field and, yeah. you know get the rust out of that 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 elbow um harper also did have tommy john otani had like he never came out with what he exactly said but it wasn't tommy john it was just like elbow procedure and like all the mm-hmm. you know the writing on the wall and the the, the tea leaves say it was like that internal brace procedure which is a shorter recovery for pitchers and also a shorter recovery for hitters so um you know who knows? Maybe even a year of him not having to worry about pitching too uh, makes him even better at the plate. So uh, I don't know. I, I the more I think about it, the more I just like it's like what Otani's the best player in the world. And you're not going to take him for like a, the 
top whatever pick. Yeah, he's, he's I think when we to, see him in yeah. spring, uh, when we see oh him in spring, gosh, it's yeah. going to shoot up the yeah. board. He, he's slated to hit third. Um, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts right in front of him. So that's that could be 130 RBIs. And his projections from almost all of the sites have more or less 40 homers, 20 steals, 280 to 295 is the average range. But it wouldn't shock any of us if Otani just like made history again. I mean, in 2021, he had 46 homers and 26 steals. Again, that's with the Angels. Like he, yeah. No one has more ceiling other than Acuna, really. Um, and I guess some of the speedsters. But anyway, I, I love Otani. I would move him up. Um, tough to do it on the fly. I, I think I would take Otani ahead of Judge, Soto, and Trey Turner. Um, Strider, it's tough. Otani Tatis is where it gets tough for me. But I think I like Otani at like 7, 8, 9 range more than like 12, 13, 14, personally. Uh, yeah. I know the util sucks, but like you can't do better. Like It's not like you're going to kick yourself. It's just a little bit of a hassle to say, yeah. oh, I don't have a roster yeah. slot for him. You know. Yeah, and there were some rumblings that they were going to play him in the outfield a little bit, which I don't know how much truth there is to that, but we'll see. That would help. Yeah. All right, well, we made it, Steve. Um, final takeaways or thoughts as we kind of close out here? Is there anything that... Um, Again, as you look at these KDS-wise, is, is there a certain spot that you really love or, or you're not a fan of? Um, what are your kind of big picture takeaways on round one? Not really. It's fun to talk about these guys because we never normally do unless they're like, you know, really struggling. Like even Acuna last year, like what was there to say about them, you know? So it's fun to talk about these guys. Um the more I talk about them, the more comfortable I am with like any spot in the in the draft order. Um, you know, obviously you still want one, but um, I think there's a lot of fun things that you can do in the first round. It was fun to to break down these guys. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to come in like with the, you know, the Debbie Downer, but I think my biggest takeaway is that I'm kind of out on Corbin Carroll with the question marks. Yes, yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. With the price and the question marks. A- anyone else I'm, I'm pretty happy with. Um, and then, yeah, I think... You know, just be mindful of kind of balancing uh, round one, round two pairings like we talked about. Um, You know, there's a lot of uh, speed throughout the entire draft, but some of the the most speed you will find in the first five rounds is really like in these first couple rounds. So you do need to leave round one and two with like, you know, 20, 30 bases at least, um, I think is a note, but yeah, we'll see. Um, it'll be fun. And from here, Steve housekeeping, I should know this, but it's been a little bit of a, a back and forth from here. Are we every week or is it kind of no? at the end of February? We're, we're every, end of February, week, every week. So, okay. Yep. Right on. Yep. Well, we'll be back then in, in a couple weeks, guys on the 22nd, if my math is right. But, uh, until then enjoy the draft season. You guys can follow us, as always, on Twitter at WinsBoatPod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. That wraps us up for episode 127, talking the first round. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for listening, guys. Happy drafting.